Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, uh, this week's edition of it being your pop culture movies podcast. I am your Excellent host, Joshua job. Tracy. And I'm Corwin Heller. And uh, today's films, we will be discussing our 2014's Inherent Vice and 1952's Akiru. Corwin Heller, are you ready? Yeah, that was a really smooth opening. I'm proud of you for that. That was uh, that was great stuff. Thanks, man. This is what I'll be turning in to get whatever those radio awards are called. I don't know what they're actually called. I should have looked that up. Anyway, um, uh, which one do you want to start with? Um, I honestly, I don't care. I watched uh, Inherent Vice last night. I watched Akiru today. Uh, I'm pretty indifferent when it comes to. uh, to what we talked about first. I think I want to start with Inherent Vice only because so much happened in this that we might end up talking for longer about it. Um, I agree. Because, wow, is this a movie? Um, Why don't you tell me about it? What tell me? Tell me. Um, all right, so hold on. First, I'm gonna do the rundown I usually do. Uh, Inherent Vice is from 20, 2014. It was written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. This is also a Paul Thomas Anderson movie based off of a book. This time, it's based off of a Thomas Pynchon book. Um, it was nominated for Dose Oscars. Um, it was nominated for Best Writing for Paul Thomas Anderson and Best Achievement in Costume Design for Mark Bridges, which is not a surprise if you know anything about the Oscars. You know that oftentimes Best Makeup or um, Costume Design or Production Design usually goes to period pieces, and this does take place in the 70s. Um, it had an... Oh, do I, not, do I not have estimated budget this time? Oh, I guess that's not available because the movie's too too new. Oh, my Ooh. God. Oh, no, I found it. Uh, <laughs> the estimated budget is $20, $20 million. Uh, It's cumulative worldwide gross, $14.7 million. So this is a flop, um, which actually I didn't know again before right now. I, I don't care to look this yeah. up beforehand. Losing $5.3 million sucks. But with Paul Thomas Anderson, Joaquin Phoenix, and the host of other people that are in this movie, uh, Josh Brolin, a whole bunch, um, Owen Wilson, I, I don't see why a studio would turn this down. So an understandable one. But uh, the drawback, I think most people who go to a theater might see, is that it is two and a half hours, which is long. It is also very confusing. Um, yes. <laughs> so, Corwin, yes. what this was your pick. You had never seen this before. What's your impression off the jump? of this so i picked this movie uh exclusively off of a scene with a high and tight haircut wearing josh brolin talking to a very much uh covered in mutton chops hippie looking joaquin phoenix uh i don't even remember the specific scene it was i just remember looking at that and just like seeing the 10 15 second clip and being like why have i never seen this movie this looks fantastic I went 100% off of looks on this, like I do in all aspects of my life. Um, and that was definitely a high point. This was a beautifully you know, produced film. Like It was a very much you know, Paul Thomas Anderson in style. A uh, little bit more flair than we saw in uh, There Will Be Blood, um, but beautiful nonetheless. This was just a roller coaster, man, for me. Like Going into it, I had absolutely zero information about what it was uh 
uh, zero information on the story, which was uh, after watching it and reading uh, some reviews on it afterwards, I realized that's probably why it was so confusing uh, narratively. The first half just had me very confused about what was going on, what the plot was, what the goals of the character, like just everything, every aspect of it. I just wasn't sure what was going on. But the deeper into it you get, the the more it lays itself out for you. It connects all those dots that uh, are blurred, all those blurred lines. And I found at the end I could very much understand the story that it at the end i could put everything together and i understood all the little details uh that i was just so lost and and a lot of times in movies even at the end it's not there and you just can't understand every aspect of it this was just i know we're going to go deeper into this but this felt like a really great detective movie that was just high the whole time, which I get is very much the you know intended feel. Um, and man, it's just so unique, so unique. I I can't tell if how you're describing this is supposed to make me think that you think positively of this film or negatively. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> um, so I have seen this before, and I wanted to save my previous recollection of it until this episode. Uh, my recollection of this movie is not being thrilled about it. Um, and that was all I really remember. I remember it being really pretty and not liking it that much. And upon watching a second time, I agree with previous Josh's opinion. <laughs> um, it's... I think it's exactly what Paul Thomas Anderson wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And that's not meant to be a dig. That's actually, that's really tough. And I respect that. And in that instance, I can very much so appreciate the filmmaking because this comes across as a completed project, like start to finish top to bottom, what this guy wanted out of it. Um, at the same time though, this has like all of my least favorite parts of these types of movies. Um, where so first off this is such a subtle point fuck whoever did the sound mixing on this movie because goddamn the whispering over music where they match the same amount already pisses me off but in a detective movie where every piece of dialogue is eventually going to lead to the next scene that happens and you can't fucking hear it is absolutely infuriating um i find myself rewinding often a lot oh my god so much and since the audio jack in my laptop is still busted, uh, I basically ended up watching this in my bed with my laptop maybe six inches away from my head just because I, it was late at night, so I didn't want to wake everyone else up by having it blasting, but I just couldn't hear anything. Yeah, and, 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 and then it's just like how it fucking is, you know? And the problem is, again, like every scene is uh, a piece, you know? And so if you, if you miss even, like, if you tune out, for even five fucking seconds you're gonna miss a name or a plot point um and with such a long movie it's just tough to to have something hold your undivided attention in that way uh if i had to describe this film to somebody i would say it's like um it's it's like the maltese falcon combined with the big lebowski combined with fear and loathing in las vegas um 
the 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 Doc Spratello character couldn't have been more Hunter S. Thompson, um, and his lawyer couldn't have been more of Hunter S. Thompson's lawyer, um, and the plus the strong drug use throughout the entire film is very Hunter S. Thompson, Fear and Loathing. Um, it's but then it's got the the mystery aspect of like every old school film noir. And that you get out of like a, a Maltese Falcon or like a double indemnity while also maintaining the goofiness in some respects of the big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it took all the worst parts of those for me, which really sucks um, because stylistically, this is so up my alley. I love a good mystery movie. I love a good period piece. Um, I, I love a good weird expression of artistic intent. And fuck, man, this is just, this just wasn't it. Um, oh, damn. I knew well, you were going to hate this. Like maybe like half an hour in, I knew I was like, man, Josh is going to fucking truly hate this. Well, that's the thing is I don't truly hate it. It's, and it, I'm not going to say, so what I said about beautiful boys, that there's a better version of this film in there. And I don't think that's true for this. Cause again, I think this is exactly what, Paul, uh, um, uh, Paul Thompson? No, Paul, yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson wanted. I think this is ex- exactly the film that he wanted to make, and I can appreciate that about it. But it's, you know, you know what I kept th- comparing this to in my, in my mind while I was watching it. Um, I kept comparing it to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because okay. both of these those films are strongly referencing. Um, the style of filmmaking that existed in a bygone era of Hollywood. They're both period pieces. They're both set in like the seventies ish. Um, and they're not both about Hollywood, but both are again, meant to be expressing some type of bygone era of filmmaking. And in this one, it's more of the film noir style of film. And in um, once upon a time in Hollywood, it was the Western. Mm-hmm. And, the difference between the two is just so startling because this felt nothing like what a, what what made a film noir great. It lacked all the subtlety that a film noir had, while also lacking, while also being too too subtle in some aspects for it to be a truly weird, again, fear and loathing style film, um, or or even even egregious enough to be like an easy writer. It was just this awkward middle ground that I, I, it just didn't sit with me in the way I liked. I don't know. What are some of the notes that you had on it? Um, so my first note was basically, uh, how I just couldn't follow the story, uh, to start this off. Just, it just the way they presented it again, like there was no clear path to understand who any of these characters were. I don't know. I I I feel like I may have missed like one keystone line that kind of pieced everything together at the start of this movie because I felt like I just started behind. Um, and maybe that well, was... yeah, to, to, to be fair to you, this movie jumps directly into plot. Like yeah. the first scene of this movie explains, or at least allows, or, or um, gives the initial piece of information that's going to be the building block for the rest mm-hmm. of the movie. And I think this was intended but what uh doc's girlfriend i i can't pronounce her name well so i'm just not going to try it um, shasta shasta 
Shasta or Chasta? Uh, it doesn't matter. I think it's what? Shasta. S H sound. Shasta. I'm I'm looking at how it's spelled on uh, IMDb, and it looks like Shasta. Uh, okay, which is fine. So Shasta comes in and talking to Doc while he's just waking up, and that's how I felt watching it. I felt like someone just woke me up and was telling me important information, but because I was just being awoken from asleep, it was like I hear the words you're saying. I'm not retaining any of the important details and I just don't have enough context to make it mean anything, which probably not ideal. But the more into this movie I got, the more I just, I kind of fell in love with the way they told the story. This is a movie that is high itself. Like it's a movie about this uh, private investigator who is just fucking stoned all the time, trying to piece together this murder and, you know, sometimes being a genius, piecing things together, sometimes just falling ass backwards into, you know, the correct uh, clue, the correct lead, whatever it may be. And just it all works out in the end. And I just I don't know what it was, but I just fell in love with what this movie was like. I didn't even know if it was a comedy at first. Uh, I didn't know if it was this intense drama mystery. And it's just a little bit of everything. And it's just, it's such a fun movie to watch. I love it. These like little jokes sprinkled in that they aren't projected as jokes. There's no punchline. It's just these ridiculous reaction shots. These um, just crazy little tidbits that you might even just gloss over that just left me laughing my ass off. It just, it was one of those movies where I just enjoyed every second of watching it. Once I got through that initial just brick wall of confusion. I, I think we're, we're describing the same phenomenon that we both experienced. It just comes down to preference, you yeah. know, like, like oh, yeah. we're, we're getting at the same thing. Um, but I think you enjoyed it. And I was just yeah. like, why what is this <laughs> like uh there's just so many little things that i love like bigfoot uh sucking on those chocolate covered frozen bananas throughout the movie and just doc's reaction to watching him do this all the time it's just it was so funny his reaction to looking at the baby picture uh you know the doped up baby that came out of nowhere i still am not even certain what it was that he was reacting to just it was so innately and naturally funny i just couldn't help but love it listen i totally understand that i am biased towards certain things i'm completely irrational with me liking and disliking things sometimes seemingly at random i'll own up to the fact that i can't even place my finger on why i love this movie so much i just do it's just so weirdly fun it's a fun movie and i get why you don't like it and i I'm totally okay with it. It's definitely not for everyone. Yeah, one one of my notes just says this movie sure has a lot of scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Which is true. Um So how would you describe how this movie ends? <laughs> it ends. <laughs> it definitely ended. Um Man, it was one of those things where it's like, that was the super classic, um, what was it, stereotype, 
the detective just ends up doing this just for being innately good and not for any personal gain and everything's back to normal and everyone lives happily ever after. Um, but it just had its own little unique twist to it with that Bigfoot scene just breaking in his door and just going to town and man, it was eating all the ashes out of his, uh, his fucking ashtray. I, I took that as it was like his stash. It wasn't like the, uh, um, like the ashes out of the ashtray, but like the actual stash itself. Cause yeah, like, I think he was eating both. I think there was like, I think there was green and, and there was a uh, ash. I think, cause I think it was like a whole it was, plate scenario. Yeah. It was so clearly like, the Easter basket stuffing, like the, the crumpled paper strips. And it was just like, so unnatural and like, clearly he's just eating paper. Um, it, that was like the only thing throughout the entire movie that really like took me out of it. Um, I love getting immersed in movies and you know, the biggest detriment to movies that I seem to not like is just taking me out of it. And that was the only time throughout this that I was like, what, what were they thinking? Like you couldn't get anything that looked any more real than paper Easter basket stuffing. I'm, w- I'm willing to bet it was just some weird oversight, especially in a long yeah. movie. Like, did you see it's American Sniper thing. when that came out? Yeah. The baby. You remember the scene with the baby? Yeah. That yeah. was fucking noticeable. Oh yeah. That was in the isn't theater. It like a close up, like a mid shot of him holding the baby, like yeah, best level. Yeah, it Bra- was... Bradley Cooper is like the only thing in that shot. That was directed by Clint Eastwood, right? Yes, who is famous for doing like one to two takes. Yeah, I, it's such a Clint Eastwood type mistake where it's just like you could totally see him on set just being like, "Fuck it, I don't care," and just moving on. But whatever. Um. Yeah, like it's it's such a little thing to be an issue that it's not that big of a deal for me it's uh yeah just whatever i mean it, it yeah it is what it is what do you think a chick planet would you go there no <laughs> no? no that was also, the that's where he got like surrounded by bigfoot at first and he gets knocked out yeah yeah wakes up next to the uh the body now yeah. let me ask the you prices. this the, okay, oh, sorry, that's, where, that's where i'm getting at <laughs> Yeah. So it's 1495 for a blowjob, which first off, that's hilarious that they had the forethought to, or, you know, the, the, the state of mind to be like, all right, no, we got to go retail prices on this. $15 <laughs> is off putting. You know what we need to have as many nickels involved in this transaction as possible. 1495. So it's 1495 for a blowjob, but then it's 1495 to, for, for the pussy feast. And, who is doing that? <laughs> <laughs> that was uh that was one of the things I was thinking about. Like those don't exactly look like the cleanest people around. And I can't imagine that is an enjoyable experience. Fuck no. Oh great. Like just like they're in this dinky little essentially trailer, uh, this double wide in the middle of the desert, just sweating their asses off, just ugh, gross. Uh, yeah yeah it was it was just a i i wrote down um chick planet is definitely what paul thomas anderson jerks it to because this <laughs> definitely felt just too specific <laughs> yeah that was a very like um the door like the little window at like her crotch like the painting in the on the back wall 
that just had like a door cut out of the crotch that she peeks her head through. Just yeah, that was hilarious. It added, it added nothing, but it was just so out of the, like out of nowhere funny. I just couldn't help myself but laugh hysterically at it. It's just one of those things. It's just a little thing that added so much. So let me ask you this, because this is something I, I was thinking about while I was rewatching this. Sure. Do you think the plot of this movie matters? Nope. Like, all right, that was quick. Because <laughs> nope. I was, I was, what, 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 what I'm saying is, is just to, to flesh out the whole thought I had, um, the movie has a severely complicated plot, or at least a, a plot with a lot of moving parts. And in some respects, it feels stupid to say, hey, it didn't even matter in the end. But at the same time, like, this movie could be about Joaquin Phoenix doing almost anything. Yeah. And it would probably feel the same, which is why I get such big Lebowski vibes out of it because the big Lebowski, even though they, uh, you know, he interacts with, uh, uh, nihilists, fucking nihilists, dude. Um, the other, the other big Lebowski, um, painters, (laughs) it doesn't matter. It's Jeff Bridges being big Lebowski doing big Lebowski things. Um, and bowling. And this movie could have ended up just being that. And I guess, yeah, I I kept watching it, trying to keep up with the plot, but wondering if I even needed to, just because I wasn't sure it was really going to make a difference. Yeah, that's kind of where I ended up with this, where I was definitely struggling at first to follow the plot, like I said, and it was something I was concerned about because... We're watching a movie to discuss it later on. Obviously, I I want to be able to follow what's going on. But at the end of the day, it was just kind of like he could succeed at following at figuring this all out. He could fuck it up royally. He didn't really affect it much at all outside of um uh what was the guy's name? Um Glenn Chart. No, it wasn't Charlotte. Yeah, it was something uh, like that. Glenn something though. Who did um, Owen Wilson play? What was the name of his character? Is like Koi something? Oh, uh, yeah, I think Koi is right. I don't um, know. I remember Koi what? But Koi is not, definitely right. He's not listed on like the top build cast. I have to like scroll and find him. Koi Harlington. Uh, okay. Harlington, yep. Jen. Um, he's really the only like that was the only thing that he affected for the better. Or worse throughout this movie. Everything else just kind of was like, yeah, this was already set in motion. Nothing really changed that much. Uh, they brought in the Golden Fang, but that didn't seem like that was really a, a major issue in the grand scheme of this whatsoever. Um, I don't know. Like, did they were talking about how they brought down that dentist organization? At the end of the day, though, it really doesn't have any major effect on the major characters. It's just kind of, uh, yeah, that's what's happening in the movie, but it's not exactly majorly important. Um, I don't know. I love The Big Lebowski. That might be why I like this movie so much, um, just because it reminded me so much of that kind of enjoyment. Uh, I just, I just can't get over how much I loved Joaquin Phoenix in this. Just, it was such a, perfect character he created for what they were trying to accomplish here um 
it just it fits so well. I mean, Walking Phoenix is oftentimes like the best part of everything he's in because he's amazing. Um, oh fuck, I had a point on deck and I already forgot what it was. Damn, 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 damn. Oh, um, it was actually completely irrelevant, uh, but I remember what it was. Isn't it weird to think every time you see Owen Wilson? Damn, this guy got his start with Wes Anderson. That is not the first thing I think of every time I see Owen Wilson. Every time I see him, I keep thinking to myself, I can't believe how different these two men's career has careers have been. <laughs> who? Owen Wilson and And Wes Anderson. Uh, Wes Anderson? Yeah, Owen Wilson, think who you think that. of as like, oh, that guy from those stupid rom coms and like the late aughts, and Wes Anderson, who's mm-hmm. like the oh, that super artsy indie filmmaker. I just, the first time I see Owen Wilson in anything, it's, oh, is he going to say wow? (laughs) Because I just, that is so synonymous with how I view him, just because I've seen that fucking video so many times of him saying wow a hundred times. And everything is, it's like Brad Pitt. It's like, when is he going to eat? When is Owen Wilson going to say wow? Uh, But yeah, you're totally right with uh, like Wedding Crashers, um, you, me, and Dupree, like those kind of like guilty pleasure movies almost. And then the Wes Anderson, super stylistic, super intricate. I don't even know how to describe his movies. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Like very, very detail oriented. Like Owen Wilson has an Oscar nomination. Like that's just <laughs> weird, you know, for writing. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, so I'm definitely going to pick a Wes Anderson movie for next week. Ooh, that'd be fun. That'd be very fun. Um, I'm not sure I have anything else constructive to really say about this. Um, yeah, what, what would you give me? A, would you watch and a rating, if you please? Uh, this is a definite watch for me. Um, I, man, it's hard because it's very long. The intro is very confusing, but I feel like watching it a second time, knowing what the plot is. It's something that gets better. Um, I'll definitely have to watch it again to to really get to the bottom of it. I'll give it three and a half stars. Okay, okay. Um, I I don't want to say don't watch because again, I can understand that there's an appeal to this film, and I don't want to be rude to it because I do like Paul Thomas Anderson, and I do like the way this is made. I just know it's not for me. So mm-hmm. if you're gonna watch it. Um, just understand it's long, it's complex, not necessarily that it matters, but it is a little complex. Um, and I, and I'll leave it at that. Um, it's definitely got a really nice feel to it that I think is, is, could be, if that's your jam, that it could totally be worth it. But, uh, it is what it is. Um, if we're going with a five star rating system, I'll go two and a half. Because again, I don't think this is bad. It's just like not my thing, you know. Yeah, I I knew that that's exactly what it was going to be coming from you. I know you like technically you didn't ha- you weren't going to hate this movie the way you know disagreed on some movies in the past, but it stylistically it wasn't wasn't yeah yeah. All right, so then let's get into so that was Corwin's pick. Uh, let's get into 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 my pick, as, and where I'm sure this is going to get uh, awkward. Um, I picked Ikiru. 
Corwin. Oh, let me give you the info on it. Akira is a 1952 picture uh, written and directed by Akira Kurosawa. Um, it is it was zero Oscar nominations uh, because it's too old and too foreign for that. <laughs> <laughs> Does Kurosawa uh, have any Oscar nominations for his career? I'm rather certain he does. Um, I want to say Yojimbo is nominated for some stuff. I'm pulling it up. Oh, he only has one Oscar nomination? That's fascinating. And it was for Ran in 1986. That's a shame. And then he has an honorary um, award from the Academy in 1990. The same award that they tried to give um, Alfred Hitchcock after never giving him an Oscar uh, throughout, despite you know, a legendary film career and many nominations. And uh, Alfred Hitchcock's famous speech was, thank you. And then he walked away. Um, very mad. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, I don't. Oh, I do have some box office here. Um, I don't see an expected budget, so it's tough to really $36 say anything about it. But it's um, cumulative worldwide gross was $90,000. Um, but also back in 1956. So, um, I can pull up what that is, but, uh, so we can get an idea of what the fuck that means. Um, $90,773 in 1956 is $841,000 now. Um, so again, no idea what this movie's budget is. But yeah, there you go. That's some basic information on it. It's a very simple movie. It is about a bureaucrat trying to find the meaning in life after he discovers he has terminal cancer. Corwin, what'd you think? Did not like it. Tell big, me everything. Big thumbs down. You want to know? I just, Josh, I'm going to say something here. And I feel in the deepest parts of my heart, you're going to get up very upset by this. Um. I could not finish this movie. What? I turned it off twice. Um, I just could not sit through it. Um, it is honestly one of the most boring movies I've ever watched in my life. What? I couldn't do it. I probably spent four and a half hours today total from when I first put this movie on to when I finally said, I'm not going to give this another shot because I kept I kept trying to give it a shot and I just couldn't do it. I probably started and stopped it like three different times. Just like, okay, maybe I just need to walk around, get some water, drink some more coffee, whatever, hit this with a fresh head. And I just couldn't make it through. So what, what about it was unappealing to you? No, it's just the acting is like watching a stone head. He has like a uh, Wanabe's character has one facial expression for ninety percent of this movie. Like I get it's an older film, it's a Japanese film. Both of those don't really add up to uh, the most expressive acting, but it just I felt like I was getting nothing from the characters. Um, again, it's a foreign language film with subtitles, which I know to some people is uh, a big issue. It typically isn't for me, which is why I'm hesitant to bring it up as being a possible cause of this. I mean, you know, two Korean directed and Korean language films are in, you know, the top five of my favorite films of all time. 
So I don't think it should be an issue, but maybe it's something where, you know, reading the subtitles is preventing me from really just noticing the, the intricacies of uh, the actors and what's going on. I just, nothing happens in this movie. And I just couldn't, I couldn't connect with uh, Watanabe's character whatsoever. I just, I couldn't do it. Uh, all right, so I'm going to take issue <laughs> with the whole nothing happens in this movie because there's a single pl- pl- point of plot in the movie. That's the point. It's, it's supposed to have you confronting death over the course of the two and a half hours of this film as you see, well, I guess only two hours worth of, for the time that Watanabe is alive. Again, folks, this movie is 60 years old. There's no spoiler alerts. He dies at the end. It's the point of the movie. Not even at the end. Like, yeah, as it was, yeah, like, like, with, like 30 minutes it. left. Yeah, um, the the final uh, act of the film is told via flashbacks during his funeral. Um, another bit of this film that I fucking love. Um, I, but, so just just for reference, his wake is where I stopped. I could not get past his wake. Uh, I couldn't. I just I wouldn't. It's you're supposed to be contemplating what death is like throughout the course of the film so there's really not much plot for you to follow it there is like the ongoing subplot or maybe it's the main plot i'm not sure which one you want to call it where he's trying to get that little park built uh because he's a career bureaucrat and thinks that his life's work has no meaning and he wants to leave something behind in this great world of ours um and again i don't know if you want to call that plot a or plot b it's more in the focus of the film than the idea yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's tough because it's like the thing that is actively being done, but it's not like the main story. So anyway, um, in regards to the acting, all right, like I will I will have to give you this. Um, it's not like the greatest acted film in mm-hmm. part because I think if you look at most, it's like <sighs> so, uh, acting has gotten a lot better in general. And not that I think that this is film has acted poorly, but it's definitely not acted up to the level that the script is. Um, and that was, so that was, that's uh, sorry for putting in. I just no, go ahead. That might be the biggest issue why I couldn't connect to this uh, very intimate story is because you know he's such a robotic actor in this, and he's been better in uh, I forget if it, I think it was Yojimbo or Seven Samurai that this actor. Uh, Takashi Shimura is, you know, a focal point in, but he just the way that it was edited and just the way they were shooting his face throughout this, it's just I couldn't connect to his emotions of going through this, you know, essentially walk up to his death where I couldn't connect his emotions. I just I couldn't feel any of his pain. I couldn't connect to the feeling of being at the not the end of the tunnel, but leading up to the end of it. And I just, I feel like that was probably the biggest factor involved with this. Yeah. A, a, a lot of that has to do in some respects to the very Kabuki theater vibe you get off of it, which is a very, which is traditional Japanese theater, which um, requires a lot of very big and dramatic things. And I, I don't find, I didn't find him as wooden as I find him over the top. Um, in some respects, like when he's sad, it's like big sad faces in some areas. Um, it's comical. 
And again, that comes from the traditional art of kabuki, but at the same time, this is not kabuki, so it's a weird translation into film. Um, Mm -hmm. So again, if that's your gripe, I I can't exactly argue with you on it. Um, But I love the the, just the, the more pensive nature of this, despite despite Takashi Shimura's um, unique performance in it. Um, is there I, anything else I will that really say, detracted looked, from this? I looked it up. Uh, he was nominated for a Best Foreign Actor Award. Uh, I want to say it was a BAFTA, but regardless, it, it just blew me away that that is something he would be nominated for. Yeah, it was a BAFTA. Yeah, 1960. Uh... Look, man. Um, I mean, I'm. Maybe I. I know who I am. I like the sad movies. I like the ones that make that right. where 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 the where the main guy dies at the end. <laughs> those those are those are that's my jam. Um, I'm right there with you. You know, some some of my favorite you know films on a personal level that you know critically might not be considered great movies that I love are you know sad emotional films that make you feel just melancholy and just really introspective and this just wasn't it for me you know can 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 you relate at all to this because the thing that does it for me the thing that i I love this about this movie so much is that it, it it still feels very pertinent towards like a modern uh a modern day occurrence you know it, the yes. fact that it's like cancer cancer is still very modern you know like it's still it's still a thing if this was like mm-hmm. cholera <laughs> it would be like, oh, who the fuck dies of cholera? <laughs> um, you know, but like it, it, it's cancer. It's a thing that's still very much around. He was a bureaucrat, aka a guy who worked a desk job. Like again, a thing that's still very much so. Oh, maybe nowadays it will start uh, not being as much of a thing, but something that's still very much so a part of normal day life for most people. You know, it and the idea of having to confront death in any kind of way is something that again everyone's going to have to go through i I find i i connect with it in those levels in in those ways even though you know like there's a lot here that i'm just not going to get the traditional ways of japan in the 1950s um the idea that this man is in the film supposed to be like 30 years older than i am um and the fact that he's like a head of a of a family whereas again i am not so but i i really love where this movie's coming from and the just the sheer interest like like the the silhouette or maybe not silhouette uh the but the, the basically what's the the poster for this film um takashi shimura is sitting on on a, a swing that he puts up in a park bench um or in, in a park which is also i believe if i recall correctly the final shot of this film it it it's it's, it's an image i th- still think about every now and then from time to time just out of the blue or wait when something reminds me of this film because i just you, i connect with it so much you know he wanted to do a thing to have a lasting impact on this great big world having feel like he accomplished nothing and in some small way he gets that victory at the end just by putting in a, a park by having a swing ah i love it I knew we were going to have these extremely split opinions on this because the second I put this on, I was like, this is a movie I could see Josh watching on his laptop in the snack shack in the middle of July. 
Those were good times. <laughs> great times. Great times. Those were simpler days. You know, I the one thing I I dislike most about my taste in movies is that I do tend to not be able to enjoy these uh, pre nineteen sixty movies the way I probably should or would if it was just shot in a more modern style, edited in a more modern style, whatever it may be. It's just I typically have a hard time just with that age of movie, just I, whatever it is. Um, I don't know. It just, this movie just wasn't for me. I should just lean into this whole theme and have us watch um, the seventh seal next. Just, ju- just to, uh, just to dig down a rabbit hole here for you. I actually, I've seen parts of the seventh seal. I found that it was shot in a way. I didn't mind it nearly as much as this. I I definitely found The Seventh Seal an enjoyable movie. Um, and I mean, like, even other Akira Kurosawa movies, like Yojimbo, uh, Seven Samurai, maybe it's just the pacing of it. In you know, there's a hell of a lot more excitement in both of those that I enjoyed them both. Um, this might just be the perfect storm. And besides, if you start making us watch a bunch of, like, early 50s movies i'm just gonna make us watch the phantom menace every week now don't tell you don't you tempt me with a good time uh (laughs) (laughs) i love me some jar jar binks this is pod racing now we could i'm i might just go down like a little foreign film rabbit hole let's watch eight and a half let's watch persona let's get weird um yeah, I'm not really sure what else there really is to say about it. Again, again, this is just like a, a a difference in taste, I think, more so than anything else. Um, mm. Although, again, I can't truly argue too much with your gripe over acting. Um, but I guess I'm just more of a script guy in that way. Um, give me a would you watch and a rating. Uh, or would you recommend? Would not recommend watching this movie um, because I couldn't watch it. Uh I'm really actually torn with what to give this. Um, I feel like there was enough in it that I could appreciate to give it at least half a star. But the fact that I could not watch it through till the end, just like on principle, I should not give this a rating. It should be a zero just based off of that. So I think I'm going to give it zero stars. Wow, that is a scathing indictment. It's not even like this movie is so awful it doesn't deserve anything. It's just if you can't finish it, it shouldn't get a star. Oh, so you're like uh, recusing yourself. Yeah, like it's not that I don't want to rate it. It's just like the being able to achieve stars in my rating system should have just the minimum bar of being finishable. So zero stars. All right. Um, uh, I love this movie. I this is a staple of um, foreign films. If you're ever getting into it, you know you you got to watch Eight and a Half. You got to watch The Seventh Seal. Um, you've got to watch this. Um, trying to think of some of the ones I didn't like fucking already name, but I already took three of like the most famous foreign film directors of their time. Oh no. Um, oh, man. 
no, that that's it's it's more modern foreign cinema. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't give that the the same credence that I would to some of the OGs of the day. Um, oh, there's plenty of German filmmaking too. That's actually ph- that's phenomenal from that time period. Uh, um, fucking what's his goddamn name? Franz, what's his name? Guy that had a. I knew you were gonna say that shit. Uh, guy that crazy story. As I try to desperately Google this man's name, uh, he's the man who made the silent film Metropolis. Which, wow, that's a long movie. <laughs> um, he also made the film M, which I highly recommend. Fritz Long, um, wild story too, because he fled Germany because of you know World War II because he's Jewish. Uh, and his wife decided to stay behind because she like thought Hitler was a really cool dude, <laughs> and, and they like got divorced as a result. Because uh, of, of course he would. But Hitler actually gave him an official pardon for being Jewish because he liked his movies a lot. Um, so that's Fritz Lang, uh, another that, strong yeah. recommend. Yeah, amazing. Love Fritz Lang. Uh, anyway, this is like one of those. I'm getting into foreign films. Where do I start? Ikiru, uh, in addition to any of the other big-time Ikiru Kurosawa movies that Kora mentioned previously, um, Yojimbo, Ran, Rashomon, uh, all these really was, great samurai flicks. Was this one remade the way the others were? Like adapted Not that I know it? of. Not that I know of. I don't think so. Um, because but, if it was, that would be a very interesting move for next week is you know watching an adaption of this to see if i can palette it a little better let me look it up i'm gonna look it up right now yeah you do your researches who knows maybe sergio leone made a spaghetti western of it the same way he did yojimbo and then also get sued by kurosawa because in case y'all didn't know a fistful of dollars is a shot for shot ripoff of yojimbo that sergio leone got very sued for and is not allowed to make money off that movie or his estate isn't because he's dead um anyway um this is a great movie (laughs) i love this movie it's near and dear to my heart very much so um four and a half please watch it (laughs) end of story um supposedly stephen woolley is remaking it Uh, who is that i don't know um he directed the crying game carol oh my god the crying oh, you've seen the crying no, he was, game he's producer for all these uh i haven't uh, okay he produced That's... an interview with a vampire yeah you know, crying game is a fucking trip of a movie but a british soldier kidnapped by ira terrorist soon befriends one of his captors who then becomes drawn into the soldier's war sure yeah it's got also a um a really young Forrest Whitaker in it that plays a pretty interesting part. It's a it's it's a good movie, but it is a it is a journey, my friend. It takes you some weird weird twists and turns. Um, so anyway, yeah. Anything else to say about either of the movies we watched? Uh, not currently. I felt well, like uh, I I laid it all out there. <laughs> you <laughs> certainly did, my friend. Uh, well, yeah. With that being said, then uh, we will deliberate and give you our film picks for next thursday on this upcoming monday edition um as we have the weekend to pick out our next ventures into this world hopefully we have some more sports news to talk about it there's been rumbles of ideas for 
different leagues to start opening up around the June time frame. But when those have better pictures of what that looks like, we can talk about it. Um, no point in jumping the gun. So, yeah, uh, I guess that's really it. We will reconvene on Monday. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at ChoosingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at juicingthenumbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.